What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand-Up here on this gorgeous Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. My man, how we doing today? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and I've been busier than the Who's Gal. Lots of news going on. Yeah, it's we've got an absolutely packed show for you guys up. First up on the menu, is Ford getting interested in hydrogen fuel vehicles? This is very interesting. Let's cover what, what Stu's been doing, full disclosure for the sake of uh, transparency. I drive a Ford, so you can put that down Ford. at the bottom. <laughs> well, we'll see. Looks like they're interested in hydrogen fuel. Next up, Dominion eyes more natural gas plants and modular reactors. Um, Stu couldn't go a few days without mentioning small modular nuclear reactors. So we slipped that one in there, but um, good for Dominion. I mean, if you're going to diversify anywhere, I, I, I would move towards this. So Stu will talk through what's going on in the Dominion. And in, in, in classic Stu fashion, when China invades Taiwan, some energy consequences. <laughs> um, this is extremely doom and gloom, considering it starts with when. But we'll let Stu uh, work through some of the ramifications for uh, the, the the Chinese invasion of Taiwan. And then finally, this is an opinion piece co-authored by Jason Hayes. 25 reasons Biden's EV goals are economically and environmentally harmful. Um, Stu will kick it over to me. I'll quickly cover what happened in the oil markets. Oil up currently to about 71.44 as we record this here about 6.20 here on the 15th. I will also quickly dive into what's going on with One Oak. Um, they went ahead and uh, acquired Magellan Resources in a pretty big midstream deal worth about $18 billion. I think there's a few interesting notes of that. And then we'll let you get on here and out your way. Before we do that, guys, as always, these uh, articles we're about to cover are courtesy of the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. The best way for all to get all of your energy news. Stu does a great job of curating that website to make sure the top stories are there. I just, I'm on, I, I'm, I'm on the way home from the office. I just messaged to and say, Hey, you got this article, you got this article, this article, boom, boom, boom. They're all sitting there in my inbox. The team does a great job of also making sure the description to this podcast has all the links to the specific articles we are about to cover and timestamps. Um, check us out, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place um, for all your data and, and energy news combined. Get it while you still can. It's probably going behind a paywall soon. So just FYI. Um, wait out for that. Um, but that's about it, Stu. I'm out of breath. Where do you want to begin? Hey, let's have some fun. Let's start with some Ford. I love me some Ford. I'm always been a big Ford fan and I've been like crying since I got rid of my, uh, 250 is Ford getting interested in hydrogen fuel vehicles. The company is planning to test a small fleet of H2-powered e-transit vans in the United Kingdom. Okay, let's go through here. The test will be conducted by a consortium led by Ford, and it will run for three years. Quote, Ford believes that the primary application of fuel cells could be in its largest, heaviest commercial vehicles to ensure they're emission-free while satisfying the high daily energy requirements of our customers' demand, said Tim Slater, Ford's UK chairperson, in a prepared news statement. I love this from a standpoint, Michael. 
this could be the bridge in the heavy trucks. Now, they said three years. It's going to be years before we could do it on ours. But EVs and trucks just can't handle the load. Hydrogen can if it's done. So I was pretty excited to see this. But how you produce the hydrogen is going to be the big question. Pretty well, exciting. guess what it also says in here? It said Ford will be leading the consortium that includes BP. Yes. Oh, so BP's in on probably going to be doing some of the hydrogen fuel. Right. I would say they're going to be providing some of that hydrogen, which is interesting. I think, I think, you know, as you mentioned, this is seen as the low, as the easiest way to go to apply, you know, emissions free, some new emissions free technology to the right. long haul, you know, the, the, the long haul trucking port. So I, I think again, this, the, this will be very interesting to think I'm with you. It's going to take a lot longer than three years. Um, but Hey, I mean, this is what, well, you got, you got to give a time frame for CapEx Do I'd be, I'd be shocked if they did spend it all in three years, they're going to milk this baby for all it's worth. Well, here's the other thing. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, years and years ago, before he was a governor had his uh, hydrogen Humvee. In his hydrogen Humvee, he went and drove uh, up the coast uh, to go do a movie shoot. He had uh, hydrogen. There's no hydrogen stations. So he had a, two other trailers follow him with enough hydrogen to get him there. And he had to pull over and stop seven or eight times. But it made it. And are, are you ready for the price tag on that thing? It's got to be expensive. $280,000 for that Hummer that was hydrogen. And what And what year is that? It was like 12, 15 years ago. So that's probably what, $2.8 million today? Probably. But I, I loved it. I $6. mean, $6.5 billion. You know, and, and I thought it was great. It was a well done test, you know. But anyway, all right, well, let's go to the next. This one. article, unfortunately, will not be back. What's next? <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of technical stuff to be fixed with hydrogen. Next story coming around the corner, Michael. Dominion Eyes, more natural gas plants and modular reactors. Love me some Dominion. They are looking to try, looking out. They do solar, they do wind, they do everything, but they are trying to watch the bottom line, watch consumers. And uh, this is one quote I really like in here from Ed. This is all the above approach ensures that we can reliably serve our customers around the clock, especially on the hottest and coldest days of the year. Ed uh, Bain, the utilities president, said in a news release, our plan balances the benefits of renewables with the ability, reliability of on-demand power so we can meet the growing needs of our uh, customers. This was beautiful, Michael. I, I felt uh, I was all teary-eyed when I was reading this one. I was like, oh, somebody gets a plan. You know, uh, natural gas is supposed to be the bridge fuel, but it's kind of hard to be a bridge fuel when you're being banned. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think one of the concerns you, you you talk about was these organizations saying, well, you're just trying to score political points because you have to remember Glenn right. Youngkin, you know, this is something that we covered, you know, way back in the fall. If you, we ran the tapes. We ran an article where we talked about um, something that was passed in Virginia was known as the Clean Energy Act or Clean Economy Act. And what he did is in October of 2022, 
released his own plan, which basically was a criticism of premature natural gas retirements and did exactly what Stu's been calling for, the expansion of nuclear generation, specifically bringing up small modular nuclear reactors. So I think, you know, that's where some of the criticism I think is coming because I think they're just trying to pony up. But obviously, you know, taking a serious, you know, I think here's the quote from, 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 um, um, Glenn Youngkin, I applaud Dominion for taking a serious look at the anticipated demand and providing common sense pathways to proactively delay the retirement of critical baseload. Who's ever writing this stuff for him is brilliant. I don't think this guy himself is probably that brilliant. Who's ever writing for him oh, knows their stuff. I was all crying. I was curled up. I was like, somebody's got it. Let's put that uh, presser, the the agent writing this as energy secretary. I think we'd survive. IR guy of the week right there. Right there. All right. Let's go What's to the next. next I love me some Dominion guy. Okay. This one, I, I had so much fun looking at this one. When China invi- invades Taiwan, there are some energy consequences. Yeah, think. (laughs) Okay. There's some similarities. The author of this article absolutely did great. There are first, the first steps, China and Russia have similar uh, and things in common. Both are authoritarian states, uh, both lost territory in the 20th century. Both are set on redressing and attacking again. We already got one of them attacking Mm -hmm. Ukraine. China has been grumping around on this for a long time. President Xi has got some real problems with his economy. And in the past, whenever a communist leader has got some problems, they declare war on somebody. And uh, well, it's an easy way to stimulate your own economy at home because you have to begin to up your production. I mean, it's yep. it's an unfortunate reason, but there's an oddly tactical reason for it. Oh, exactly. There, uh, the scale of the shock, uh, assume for a moment, this is a, one of the paragraphs in here, that China launches a full-scale invasion tomorrow and imagine that the Taiwanese people and its military do not surrender instantly as the Ukrainians were supposed to do. Imagine the headlines, imagine the political response, and imagine the economic fallout. Holy smokes, think about the world's economy stopping and wondering what's going to go on. It would be even a bigger shock if the U.S. plus or minus allies retaliated militarily. Uh, there's even some more things in here. This is uh, the energy policy challenges of Europe. Um, I mean, of China. They don't care. They have all of they've been doing the rare earth minerals for 20 years. And now all of a sudden, all of our country is sitting there going, we're going to go to EVs. We got to have rare earth minerals and critical minerals. And um, it takes how many years, Michael? Uh, My beloved school of mines uh, graduate. Takes a long time to dig a hole, doesn't it? It, it, mines are, are 50 year investments. You know, I think this article points out that we've at least done a decent job of recognizing that China's a threat on this point, you know, um, through the Chips Act. And, you know, we, we've yes. done an OK job of saying that, OK, they are a threat on this on this infrastructure side. We've passed the Chips Act. I think, you know, where the energy policy gets dicey, specifically with when China invades Taiwan, if that's what the sentiment we're going to, it's going to be that clean energy economy that's where the ripple effect is through. They own the critical mineral supply chain. It's going to be very hard for us to, in an instant, get lithium, nickel, copper, you know, cobalt, of all things, to wind turbines, solar panels. Yep. 
And if we destroy the natural gas machine, we're we're not going to be able to pick that machine up. You're exactly right. And that's where it's going to hurt us is we're going to end up with way more demand than we have in in dispatchable power and are not going to be able to. So I think, you know, this article goes on to point out the dangers of the gradualistic approach, which I think is key. We have to we we can't just we can't do death by a thousand cuts. You got to cut the head off the snake now. And I, right. well, I mean, cut the head off the snake, secure our own supply chain. You can't, you know, China's going to do what China's going to do. We got to right. secure our own supply chain so that when the inevitable happens, we're good to go. Oh, I well said. Well said, dude. I like Sec- it. Michael Tanner, Secretary of State 2024. I think so. You would actually. <laughs> you would absolutely. You Hey, I'd vote for you. Uh, let me call Trump. Yeah, no kidding. Trump. What's next? Okay. Let's Speaking go of EVs. Yeah, 25 reasons. Michael, we had one of our best articles was when we had 100 reasons Biden uh, couldn't, you know, manage energy. This one is absolutely reasons by 100 100 reasons Joe Biden couldn't stand up. uh, Right. And it was funny. It went bonkers. This one is 25 reasons Biden's EV goals are economically and environmentally harmful. Everybody's just got to sit down uh, when you go to the bathroom, print this out, and you'll have a blast reading this one. Uh, During electric uh, capacity shortfalls or blackouts, EVs can't be charged. We all know that. Rural areas lack charging. Know that. There's some things in here that are critical. Large battery packs required to power the EVs make them 33% heavier than internal (laughs) combustion engines, which means they go through people more and farther. The other thing is a uh, Tesla caught on fire and that they had to use an additional 400 gallons of water to put it out more than a normal fire. The other thing is, um, and that's in number five, the thermal runway. The other thing is that's not even listed in here is the amount of extra money that we're going to have to pay to repair roads. Michael, what is asphalt and cement built with? Coal. (laughs) Mm, Make coal great again. Make coal great again. We got to love. This is this is um, my favorite one here. Which one? Um, It has to do with. Oh, where was it? I was just seeing it. Number 20. Child labor, hazardous working conditions, and lax environmental regulations plague the mining of critical minerals such as cobalt in countries like the Dominican Republic of Congo. Modern day slavery, folks. I mean, that's what you right. do if you support EVs. Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, this one really is applicable to you because Mama Tanner called me and said, don't uh, harass my son about being uh, the same size as children. So I'm going to make sure that you go out as an emissary for the United States to Congo so that they would all run to you and you could be the U.S. emissary to Congo. What do you think? I It's exactly <laughs> what I need. I could check out the rest, guys, because there's 25 of them. They're good. Um, highly recommend reading this article. Uh, sorry, Michael. Is that all you got? It is. And I, God bless you. And I'm so sorry for Mama Tanner. <laughs> well, we'll go over to finance, guys. Not much to cover. Prices slightly rise on the oil side, 7146 um, that's up about one percentage points. I think there's a couple reasons we've uh, we end that losing streak. I think we've seen a little bit of demand tightening. Um, there's some wildfires, uh, wildfires in Canada shutting in at least 300,000 
BOE per day. The interesting part is they expect that fire to continue to worsen. So there could be some more knocked off. We'll make sure to keep you guys updated what's going on there in Canada. Alberta, the one the one place that we love in Canada. We we love Alberta. So if you if you're listening to us from there, you know, stay strong. Let us know how we can help. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Dollar was fairly flat today. Um, I think obviously, you know, with this fire, we'll probably see prices continue to rise over the week. You know, it seems like these uh planned OPEC cuts are also going to impact. We've got, you know, third bridge analyst Peter McNally, third, you know, just as an FY, don't name your your research company third bridge. Like that, like boy, that, that makes it seem like, oh, four, fourth take analyst. Like this is our fourth go around. Whatever. So Peter yeah. McNally, this is your third, this is your third rate, third bridge analyst. Um, they take yeah. for what it's worth. I'm sorry. I, I'm sure he's a good guy. The OPEC cuts are likely to have a greater impact as we move through the summer. As previous attempts to balance the markets were offset by seasonal weakness and the release of strategic reserves. Take that for what it's worth. Natural gas prices bump a little bit, $2.35. We've just seen some pretty heavy cold weather throughout the Midwest here. Unfortunately, not in Dallas. We saw a lot of, got a lot of rain um, in San Antonio and down south um, this weekend. So hopefully everybody stayed safe. But but a little uh, more rising um, uh, natural gas prices doesn't hurt the fact. I think to to piggyback off that, one of the, you know, I think a move everybody was talking out today in the MA space, US pipeline operator One Oak um, moves into oil and products, specifically going out and purchasing Magellan. Resources are Magellan Midstream at $18.8 billion, a deal valued in cash and stock, representing total valuation of about 22% from $5 billion of Magellan's debt. You know, really what this does was you know, diversify them and get them more into oil and refined products. You know, currently this, you know, currently they're a majority natural gas pipeline operator. This new combined entity is going to have about 40% of its business in NGLs and about 21% of refined products, according to that presentation that they send around. Um, Quote from One Oak CEO, the combination of One Oak and Magellan will create a diversified North American midstream infrastructure company with predominantly fee-based earnings, strong balance sheet, and significant financial flexibility. That's Pierce H. Norton, the second who's going to go ahead and head up that combined companies. I mean, they get a decent amount. I was just trying to look up there. They've got like a couple hundred thousand, or I don't even want to say, you know, feed a pipeline. They're going to become one of the bigger players. Um, Magellan has a, a, a decent reputation um, in the business. You know, they they expect this deal to go ahead and close at the end, end of the quarter. Goldman Sachs, for what it's worth, was a lead financial advisor. So, you know, they probably, you know, they probably, they're bullish on natural gas. Of course, they're hiring Goldman Sachs. I mean, of course, One Oak's using Goldman Sachs, a natural gas. Good to, of course, it may, it all makes sense now. We all, Stu is actually behind this deal, folks. I love me some One Oak. I've worked with them. They're good people. You got any thoughts on this deal? I think it's fabulous. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, more and more pipeline. It also means that they've got um, midstream is where it's all at. I mean, well, it's and a, it's an oil, it diversifies them into oil. I think that's the biggest thing. I think you're buying natural gas pipelines. It's not a bad thing, but you're probably not getting a 22% premium. So I think that shows you where companies see the value moving forward, oil versus gas. Uh, that is correct. But on the other hand, pipeline is a pipeline is a pipeline. It is a asset. It is an asset. It is an asset. Um, and I'm an ass. That's, well, no <laughs> um, well um, what else you got, Stu? That's about all on my plate. Oh, no, dude. Hey, I just appreciate you and appreciate everything you got going on. No, we uh, appreciate you for keeping this up with that, guys. We'll go ahead and let you get out of here. Appreciate you checking us out. Um, www.energynewsbeat.com for all your updates. For Stuart Turley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. 